Welcome to Canada's podcast. So, Ramesh, welcome to Canada's podcast. And as I normally do, you know, we're here in Toronto and it's it's going to be 20 degrees tomorrow, but you were telling me it's going to be snowing like next week. So it's spring, so what's new? But, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, what you do, why you're here on, on our entrepreneurial podcast. Uh, thanks so much, Philip. And again, thanks for the pleasure of, have, of um, being on. I'm, I'm honored. So as I said, my name is Roma Shetty I'm a commercial lawyer at BNL Legal Counsel, which is a small law firm in Topic on the West of Toronto. And um, I'm here because I think that we as lawyers can do so much more when it comes to our entrepreneurs and to our small businesses. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I want to talk about is how do small businesses and entrepreneurs use lawyers effectively? as they build really successful and adaptable businesses for this digital era. Okay. We'll come to that. But the first thing is, you know, you know, I think lawyers are somewhat entrepreneurial in, in a sense. They generally move into partnerships, even if they're even if they're in, you know, the big the big 10 kind of, kind of thing. But you know, you've broken away from the, the establishment, if you like. Um, you know, why do that? Why you know, why not use your skills, you know, in that establishment? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think part of that question actually lies in my roots as being an immigrant. Um, I think immigrants are at their core entrepreneurial. We are moving into different environments and adapting to those new environments the best that we can. Being an immigrant, and so I can being say an immigrant. the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think so. So I think that's part of part of that. So, um, like I, I, I started practicing law almost a decade ago, and. I mean, when I initially, like, look, I didn't even want to be a lawyer initially. That's a story in and of itself. But when I started this journey, I really wanted to have sort of all the trappings of what being a lawyer is all about, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, this whole, so I was always taught about the importance of the billable hour, how you get clients and networking, all that type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And um I started my journey off as a litigator, so people would pay me to go argue in court, which sounds interesting, but it actually isn't. Um, But over time, I started being sort of like the problem solver that clients came to rely on. And they started valuing not my skills at going into court, but resolving problems. And... Over, and so that's why I started developing my skill set to become like sort of like a quote unquote master negotiator. Mm-hmm. Um, to the extent now that I would think that I'm, I think I'm actually a better business person than I'm a lawyer. Um, and so a couple of years ago, what ended up happening is I had some um, personal issues that really led me on this journey to rethink what it means to be a lawyer in an age where we're doing everything digitally, right? This was obviously pre-pandemic, right? So this was a time when um, 
when you still had to go into the offices to talk to a lawyer. And what I re, what I I took a couple of weeks to remap and to reimagine, re-explore what are the role of a lawyer in a modern business. Mm-hmm. And that's really what kickstarted the journey to start what I call being a legal counsel. Okay. I'm a law firm that really focuses on being the sort of like the modern strategic advisor to entrepreneurs and business owners. So, you know, you know, I interview a lot of people from fintech, uh, you know, insurance, banking, whatever you want to call it. I interview, I've interviewed a couple of people from legal um, who have been trying to do things a little differently. And it seems, it, but it, it seems to me that those super, I mean, I, you know, everyone thinks of legal as super establishment, accounting as super establishment, banking, finance as super establishment. But with the arrival of fintech and with the arrival of digital and, and radically different, you know, execution technologies and in terms of getting the work done, communicating with people and things like that. You know, what do you see as the future of, of, of the, the, the legal uh, business? Because it is a business, a legal business. Yeah, honestly, it's hard to say. I mean, at least in, at least in Ontario, um, the, the powers that be and the Chief Justice have done a really good job in, and uh, sorry, and the Attorney General have both done incredible work in modernizing aspects of our profession. Mm-hmm. Um, up until a year ago, we were still filing documents in court and paper, and now through the amazing work of both the Chief Justice and the Attorney General, we now got up more of a paperless system, which is great. I no longer need to go downtown to mm-hmm. argue motions. Um, I think there's a lot of incentives for lawyers not to change. I think that's the reality, right? And I would say that, uh, let me let me give you more of a tech-oriented answer. Change only happens once there's a problem to be solved. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of the larger law firms, you have powers that the powers that be, the partners or the administrators that still benefit from an old way of doing things. And again, this is just my observations. I don't. I've talked to people at these firms, and to a certain degree, this is corroborated. But just from an external perspective, the billable hours still dominate. You have obviously alternative legal service providers and alternative fees but they really like this billable hour and partnerships, how you generate revenues, all designed around this business model. Mm-hmm. And until that business model changes, there's no real incentive for the practice of law to change. Mm-hmm. And what makes things more challenging is that our, our governing body, the Law Society of Ontario, here in Ontario at least, they, they tend to have taken a bit of a standoffish approach to the transform the transformation of the legal profession mm-hmm. um, for reasons that are not altogether clear to me. <laughs> we spend more time arguing about some of the regulatory trappings of governance mm-hmm. rather than thinking about and reimagining what does the modern lawyer look like? Mm-hmm. And will we be practicing law five years from now the way we're practicing law today? Which obviously I don't think is true. So, you know, what I mean, so you're trying to do it differently. I mean, what's the vision for your business today 
and you know five years from now that's a great question i think the um so when i don't in, in me this may seem that i don't want to i don't want to give anybody the impression that I'm the only one doing it. I think there's lots of other lawyers yeah, who are yeah. trying to do this do this type of thing, right? We're all trying to push the boundaries and we're all having conversations about how to make that happen. But where I see the future of the profession is understanding the role that we as lawyers play in the life of our clients. And I'm specifically talking about business lawyers. This may not, this analogy does not work as well for like criminal law of family law. But when it comes to our clients that are businesses that are looking for commercial legal advice, they really have four ways of how to use their lawyer. One is what I would call the the paramedic or the triage approach, right? Mm -hmm. We're only gonna talk to a lawyer when there's an emergency. In all other cases, there's a cost and they're expensive, I don't wanna talk to them. And then you have the second approach, which is where the business owner says, I need to talk to a lawyer. Let's go talk to a lawyer. That's what I would call the managerial approach. These approaches are very much reactive. I identify an issue. I must do, I must talk to a lawyer. Where the future of the practice of legal practice is going, in my view, is the exploration of what I call the proactive approach to lawyering. Either lawyers as being tools to avoid risk so to identify and address risk, so the role of a lifeguard, mm-hmm. or alternatively, the role of a lawyer as being a strategic advisor. We're going to help the business grow and make more money. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, where this is going in terms of a legal profession. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, and this, like, look, and, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, I mean, when you think about a lawyer, a lawyer's supposed to do three things, or at least one of three things. You're either solving problems, you're minimizing risk, or you're managing process. Good lawyers will do all three. You really shouldn't be a lawyer if you can't do any of them. Yeah. Right? It's interesting. You know, you, you've made me recollect, which is quite a long ways back when I was fairly new to this country, an entrepreneur, and I had a, an accountant. His brother happened to be a lawyer as well. And... Um, and the one, th- the thing that he said to me, that I've kind of kept in 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 the background, is, is you know, do everything before you come to your lawyer or your accountant. This is a business. This is this is business. Yeah. Before you come to your lawyer and accountant, and only use us to complete it. Huh. It, it, it mean, is is that a first? Is that a? First, I mean, it, it's a bit off track. But what you're saying is that you that maybe the future is is more of an advisory role, and in a sense, this this gentleman was being an advisor and saying, you know, don't come and ask me the, the things that you know. Don't build your bill up. You, you see what you, I mean? Yeah, uh, I mean that's a long time ago. But I mean, are we looking at kind of today's version of that, or? or um, is it because there's more detail available that you move to an advisor, you know, the, the online to everybody nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I think the, democratiz- uh, the democratization of the internet has really given clients the belief that they can simply have Google as sort of their legal advisor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the corollary of that is obviously that lawyers are not insured to give business advice. I just want to be very careful here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All that being said, I think that there are lots of ways that clients can minimize their legal fees if they have the right questions, right? So in your instance, Philip, if you had, let's say, a friend to say, Go, come talk to me and I'll give you a checklist of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. and use this to go talk to your lawyer, in some cases that is beneficial, mm-hmm. right? The challenge with law, obviously, is that it keeps changing. So by way of example, you had an Ontario Court of Appeal decision last year um, called Swigland and Wax, Waxdale, and that changed the way that employment agreements are interpreted or construed. And that has really significant implications if you're a business that has lots of employees. What's the greatest challenge now that you're facing in in your your sort of uh, new legal kind kind of movement, if you like? Biggest challenge. I mean, I think I think that by and large, we as lawyers are there's an, there's an educational component where. Um, Clients see lawyers as one and the same. John Doe, Jane Doe, and myself are all the same person. And what I would encourage clients to think about, people to think about is the value of developing a relationship with a lawyer, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes that has a negative effect. So if they've got a really bad experience with a lawyer and they see all lawyers the same, they'll see me the same as a bad lawyer or any other lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. But more importantly, I think... The challenge is, is that, again, as a legal profession, as our governing bodies, we haven't, we still hold to the idea that a lawyer is a lawyer is a lawyer. And we don't really encourage or diversify the risk of creating more new innovative business models. Mm-hmm. And because each individual lawyer is shouldering all of that risk, Mm-hmm. transforming your practice and creating new relationships becomes, in some cases, too risky, right? So, for example, I'm right now putting together like a subscription-based legal service model, mm-hmm. right? So, for for X amount, you have access to X, Y, and Z, right? Mm-hmm. For templates, advice, or whatnot, right? But I've just got to be cautious in how I do it because I'm worried about taking on too much of risk, Mm-hmm. And as a small law firm, we don't want to take that on. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 as a business, if you get the lawyer, lawyer part of it, you've been at this for a couple of years. Um, you know, what, what's, what's, you know, you've probably hit some unexpected challenges. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, how, how do you typically handle those challenges? Is there a process you oh, man. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, not necessarily used is it a process you've evolved to. The, the <laughs> you know, we, I don't know if we have it at the beginning. <laughs> it's honestly, it's um, been a journey. I mean, starting up your law firm is inherently entrepreneurial, and mm-hmm. part of being entrepreneurial is being able to make mistakes and learn from them, adapt, right? Right. Um, and I think pricing is definitely a challenge. And like most businesses will be, be familiar with this, like, how do you price your services? in a way that 
allows you to pay all of your suppliers and your employees and still have some healthy profit margin. That's been a challenge that I still face today. Like how do I, how do I price an agreement, right? Do I price the agreement on a flat fee basis, on a project basis or some other way, way of pricing it? For me, that's been a challenge. I think that what I typically try and do when it comes to um, pricing at least, is try and figure out how much of value I'm providing to the client, right? I do, there's this idea out there that, um, or there are some clients out there that want to go to the cheapest lawyer out there, and I'm not that guy. Um, if you want cheap, I will happily send clients to, to places where I know they have lawyers that do work for the minimum dollar value. I much rather focus on having a really good process that clients can identify saying like, look, so kind of like a stage process, right? Phase one, phase two, phase three. Mm-hmm. And pricing according to those stages, that gives a lot more transparency to the client about what's being delivered and when fees are due. And they end up becoming more happy with the process. So, you know, what would what advice would you give an entrepreneur? I mean, just because you're really just two years out, looking to start a business now that, that you've, um, you've learned in the last 24 months that maybe you didn't know before. It's, you know. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, whenever I talk to a client that's looking to start a business, um, before they talk about contracts and corporate, before we talk about any of that, mm-hmm. I always ask them to answer like a couple of questions. One, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Who are you solving that problem for? What makes your solution valuable? Mm-hmm. And why should the potential customer or the customer choose your solution over others? Mm-hmm. And by asking these four questions, these four questions are form the core of what we call the value proposition of a business or of a company of a product. Right. right. Um, if you're not solving a problem, you really shouldn't be going into business, right? And once you ask those questions, those questions can form the core of how you start pricing, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, so I think that's I think that's my that's my piece. Of, ask those four questions. And, um, well, I mean, on, on the other shoe, I mean, what's the best? You know, we've all been mentored and, and stuff like that. Whether it's been parents, whether it's been friends, whether it's been yeah. you know people at university or school or whatever. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? And I, I like to qualify it that you keep on using. You know, oh, we, we get lots of advice, but there's one or two things that we use that that that, that, that crop up weekly, kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, so so I'll give I'll give um, I'll give a book recommendation. Never split the difference by Chris Voss. Okay. Great book. Lots of good advice there. Okay. But the one advice I keep using, um, it was actually given to me by a client when it comes to negotiations. Right. And um, he just never get emotional about the negotiation. Right. And be willing to walk away from the table. And that has been something that I've carried through through all my negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had this really crazy file last week where that was a simple mantra I kept saying in my head, don't get emotional. Yeah. Um, and 
it's funny how that works because by not getting emotional, no matter how much of stress the other side's going through or your client's going through, you are even keel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So that's advice that's, that helps you when it comes to buying and selling property, negotiating contracts. It's been super helpful. I've, been, I've always been able to say like, look, I've got somebody else. I'm okay with this negotiation failing. Um, and that's been good. That's that's been advice that's been well served. Okay, let's let's move off the deep stuff and move to what, some rapid fire questions. Sure. Uh, not that they're not deep, but you know. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what book are you currently reading, and and what books or and listening to whatever uh, would you re- recommend? Book, you know. What's so I mentioned? Yeah, so I mentioned Chris Voss. I think that's fantastic. That's a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I love uh, principles by Ray, Ray Dalio. Um, I, that was a book recommendation by another lawyer colleague that I found to be fantastic. And again, it's right there on my bookshelf. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, honestly, like that's been. A, I'm still reading it. Still trying to soak it through, um, and trying to figure how to use that and integrate those principles into my business. I think that's really for me. Principles is something that I'm going to try and integrate into my business over the long term. Are you a morning or a night person? Ooh, morning. Um, I'm forced to be a morning person because I've got two young kids. So um, I, don't, I don't have the option to be a night person. You used to be a night person. <laughs> truth be told, truth be told I, I've got to be honest, I've, I was never really a night person. I've always loved early mornings. Um, um, and having kids just gives me a better excuse. <laughs> So if you weren't doing what you know, the, the legal stuff that you're doing now, what would you be doing instead? Entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. Like I said, I, I think. Yeah, I, can't, I can't think of anything else. Like, uh, honestly, like the, um, I mean, this goes back to what I said earlier. Like I didn't want initially want to be a lawyer. Right. Um, and I was actually fairly left wing at that point. I mean, still, still progressive, but not the same, same, same way. But now, I love I love thinking about business models. Like I can break, I can design business model, business systems in my head, um, and I'm a, I really enjoy that. Um, it's been it's fun for me. It's a fun exercise. So you have to pick one, You have to pick one word to sure. describe you. What would it be, and why? Uh, authentic. Yeah, I don't have a. They, they, to, the one word to describe me today, definitely authentic. Um, I think there was a time in my life where um, I think I struggled to please other people. Mm-hmm. Um, Good word. And, and now I'm pretty straightforward with everybody that I meet. And I don't, like, and this goes back to principles, right? Like, he, his whole thing is being, being authentic to yourself. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm, I, uh, I have no filter right now. When it comes to people that don't that I dislike, so it's okay. Well, what's keeping you up at night? Apart from kids, <laughs> kids, kids is definitely one of them, kids especially when you have a newborn. Um, honest to goodness, climate change. Yeah, I think climate change is one of the things that does keep me up at night. And um, going back to a conversation earlier, I think we as a profession are really not prepared for climate change. Um, and for the impact that climate change may have on 
our practices, our society, and our relationships with other people. Again, coming coming from an immigrant, when I see climate, when I see the impact that climate change has outside of Canada, I think that's going to be drastic. So, climate change. Okay. I'm, I'm, I don't know. There's climate change. I was reading in the Guardian that actually, you know, the human race is going to stop producing by uh, twenty. Was it twenty? But two years, two years before twenty forty-eight, because really because of all the crap in the system that's residing in our bodies and okay. and redu reducing fertility. It's uh, it's so which comes first, no children or no world? It's kind of interesting, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe getting rid of the human race. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, John John Oliver did John Oliver did a bit about how much how. By 2030 or 2035, there's going to be more plastic in the ocean than fish. Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw that. So. You know what, Ramesh, thank you. It's been a really, really good interview um, uh, and, and uh, some, some real interesting things. I, I think uh, we have to watch, the, as I said, the legal profession and, and see, see how things will change. Um, it's, uh, it's it, quite it will. I mean, it will. It just takes. Sometimes it takes a little bit of um, a kick up the. You know what? Uh, to get things done. So sometimes. So so you know. Thanks for coming on Canada's podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, you know, thanks everyone for for listening, viewing, whatever. Okay. The pleasure was mine. Cheers.